Thanks for listening and welcome to the CoachMaze.com podcast, where high school basketball coaches can turn to find that one takeaway to add to their already successful programs. Like you, I'm a high school coach, so let me know on Twitter at Coach J. Mays what your takeaway from today's talk was. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the CoachMaze.com podcast. Be sure to check out our other coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. We're also building our stable of NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, Nuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, and X's and O's NBA Breakdown. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Coaches, welcome back to the CoachMaze.com podcast. Today, my guest is Danny Servick. Danny founded Pro One Sports and built the company into one of the top global agencies in the business and earned a reputation for being an honest and tireless worker for his clients. He's developed relationships with some of the most influential personnel in professional basketball, in addition to his extensive network on the collegiate level. Cervic has over 20 years' experience in the professional ranks, working with players uh, and, and coaches and teams in the NBA and FIBA. In addition to making an impact on the pro level, Danny has become a thought leader and influential voice more recently in the youth and amateur market. He created and has built Pro One Basketball, a nationally recognized Under Armour program, into one of the premier travel and grassroots basketball programs in the southeastern United States. He also has a podcast titled Pro One Dialogue, a podcast focusing on the development of youth sports all over the world. Again, Danny and I have been friends for a long time. We also currently work together. Uh, I am a consultant in a company that he founded called One Connect. And towards the end of this podcast, I can't wait for you to hear a little bit more about uh, One Connect and what we do for our clients. Without further ado, Danny Servick. Coaches, welcome back to the CoachMaze.com podcast. Again, our goal is to give you that one takeaway from tonight's discussion with Danny Servick that will make your program better tomorrow than it was today. And we're going to dive right in. Um, my guest tonight is Danny Servick, who's been a longtime uh, friend of mine um, through basketball. I think Danny's going to get into somewhat the six degrees of separation, how we all live in somewhat of a small world in the coaching in the basketball community, and how we became friends and um, acquaintances and, uh, um, you know, so um, diving right in. Danny lives in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, Danny wears many hats, and we're going we're gonna to expand on some of that. But uh, he touches a lot of areas in our sport of basketball, everything from the professional side of it to the collegiate side of it to the grassroots side of it. And uh, I think he's a great guest for us to to learn about how, as high school coaches, we can connect to other areas of basketball that we don't see on an everyday basis. So, Danny, welcome to the CoachMaze.com podcast, my friend. 
Coach Mays, I appreciate the invita- invitation. And uh, as I don't know how you guys are up that way down here in Alabama, a number of programs and teams are in that quarantine life a little bit. And so uh, all of us yeah. are looking for, to fill some void. So uh, any chance to visit with you and <laughs> visit with you with a hot mic to kind of to, to just chat on some basketball, I, I love the opportunity. So thank you. Well, Danny, you know I live in Kentucky, and you know this podcast goes to coaches outside of Kentucky, but we have a good listening audience in Kentucky. And you're no stranger to Kentucky high school basketball and especially small college basketball, but um, we'll get into that here in a minute. Um, Danny, you you graduated from Grissom High School in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, Real quick, just tell us what kind of high school program uh, that you, you played in about your coach and the success you had at Grissom. Yeah, I would love to. I, I was fortunate enough. So I, I grew up in Huntsville and, and at least kind of in the 70s and 80s, uh, Huntsville was really populated by a lot of transplants. Um, like my family, we, we came down from Cleveland by way of New York. And um, it was, I think, was originally going to be like a two-year thing. I think my mom and dad liked the idea of not snow and, and ended up kind of staying. So it's kind of like an oasis down here. Uh, in the middle of Roll Tide and War Eagle country. And so <laughs> kind of grew up down here and I mean, grew up playing, you know, four sports and probably basketball being last and got into high school and was kind of like the 10th, 11th guy on the freshman team, um, but played for a just a fantastic, which then soon was part of the journey with him becoming just, I think, a legendary coach, Ronnie Stapler. Um, oh, yeah. Just kind of a great program year in, year out. And um, just kind of fell in love with the sport and the idea of wanting to be a great high school player. And that's kind of like the theme that we'll kind of weave through when we, when we kind of touch base a little bit later on the grass. It's a, it's a common theme with me and kind of my transformation of, 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 of a player and which is influencing my whole life that – um, I just was a guy that was just wanted to make the varsity team, and that was kind of the goal of working. And and just fortunately, some God given ability and grew, and um, we won state six uh, eight. You know, at the time, was the biggest classification in Alabama. We won state. had a had two great teammates that went on to East Carolina. And after my senior year, um, we lost to the team that went to the final four, final eight. Uh, so we had a good year, but not didn't quite win the uh, the ring again. But just a, an amazing experience, um, and learned so much. Uh, and, and and obviously another th- theme through me of the value of great high school coaches. Like we're we're in a world now with all the other stuff and trainers and travel, and and I'm kind of one of the guys that I guess now is officially an old head at 49. That I I preach the value of the high school program, the coach and. You know, as a guy that went on to play in college, um, I can remember all of my high school days and can't really tell you a whole lot about, you know, Division One or anything like that. So um, we, we that preach crazy? the high school, and it's just it's amazing for that, and, and I think it's such an important part of everybody's journey as they play and, and get in, fall in love with the sport. So out of high school, you, you signed with McNeese State in Louisiana. Um, it's been a year, a year, I just think a season there, if I'm not mistaken. Then you transferred – to Birmingham Southern, um, at the time they uh, were a great uh, NAIA program. Uh, you know, every year you could expect the Georgetown Colleges, the Birmingham Southerns, the Oklahoma Baptists, the Oklahoma Cities, 
and uh, the life universities of the, of the world to uh, uh, be right there in the uh, national tournament in uh, Kansas City every year. So um, played for a legendary coach in uh, Coach du- uh, Dwayne Rebol. So tell us about your college experience, Danny, as a yeah, player. Yeah, so I, again, kind of dating myself, um, never played an AAU game in my entire life. Um, kind of got found <laughs> – um, in part, you know, the high school stuff. And then you went to the, the, the cage scope, all American camp up, I think it was at Northern Kentucky. Um, and then BC all-stars over in, in Georgia. And, um, no, I was, was fortunate enough to have some, some, some really good options signed with McNeese state. I, I played there two seasons. Um, I signed the year I signed, um, they went to the NCAA tournament, lost to Illinois, uh, in the first round. Um, our freshman year, was able to kind of win the battle coming out of camp and started. We finished second in the Southland Conference, had a great year, um, got upset in the tournament. My sophomore year came back, and I was the only starter returning, had a bunch of JUCO guys, kind of fought our way through, um, but not quite the kind of the level of that. So my freshman year, though, rolling back to that, is Southern uh, won the national the, the first of Coach Rebel's national championships. And so – I went back to um, went back to McNeese my, my next year, but then after after that year, kind of the draw and, and like you said, that was the, uh, the 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 era of the of NAI was just just amazing, right? And oh, so um, and actually, so like my my six degrees of kind of separation of plugging in with you uh, indirectly originally Georgetown colleges who put us out in the sweet 16, both years, my, my junior year, um, I think they were ranked higher than us. And it was, you know, a, a, a beat us by, I think they beat us in overtime by two. Um, my senior year, we were really good. I think ranked second in the country and we just kind of laid an egg and, and they got us by two. Like, it was two great games. They had some giant redhead that played in the post, which I can't remember his name. Sean and Mark Tandy. They were brothers. Yep. Yep. Two so, years apart. Um, fantastic teams. Just amazing. And so, no. so I And then Southern won uh, the National two years later. So I always, like, uh, I was like the peanut butter and jelly. I, I was in between the two titles. Um, but had just a great time. Played for... Um, Again, really good coaches uh, at McNeese, and then obviously, like you said, you know, Rebull was um, was kind of the Rick. Like that's the thing. It's really cool today. Um, Rick Bird got announced yesterday that he's yeah. getting elected into the 2021 class Hall of Fame. It was great, and you know that we came up in that era where Myers at Lipscomb, Bird was there oh, yeah. at Belmont, awesome. and and so all these teams now that you see were all in those NEI just teams. So no, it was it was. Um, Again, just kind of an amazing experience to kind of go through and, and play. And, and and it was one of the other things, too. You, you talk about each step on your journey influences you differently, but the ability to be like, hey, so my first year is I'm playing Division One and going up against guys like Chris Jackson and, and whatever. And then I'm playing NAI in just some small gym. And you're like, these guys are just as good as the Division One guys. You know, you just kind of realize <laughs> that there's so many good players that are out there. And it's a lot of times just about opportunity and fit and – um, just the, the just how good, and I know the landscape of NEI has changed, but like small college basketball is insanely talented, and you, and you see that in these first you know scores of the of the season, where you know the, whether it's a low major or, or two or three or yeah, there's been some upsets already, so, yeah, yeah. So anyhow, but no, I I was I was just really really lucky to 
to be a kid that never had a varsity practice into my junior year of high school. You know, most people probably quit nowadays if they're not starting or by a 10th grader. And, um, and you had a, you had a hand in me coming down there a few years later, again, another six degrees separation. We reconnected and you like, you know, I think Rebo was looking for a, a, uh, administrative guy on his staff and it was a chance for me to be division one. They, they were still, I think coming out of the division one, um, uh, I guess quarantine that's yep, the use yep. the word of 2020 for two or three years and they were getting uh, ready to be a full-fledged division one program and the SID at Birmingham Southern used to be the SID at Georgetown College Jason Falls and and I got offered the uh, the job down there and I'll never forget this day it was it was surreal I'm driving back home from Alabama and I'm, I'm pretty stoked obviously just got to hang out all day with Dwayne Rebol and uh um, on that beautiful campus at Birmingham Southern and um, thinking, you know, this is a done deal. I'm going to have to tell my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, what's going on. And uh, about halfway home, I get a call. Coach, this ain't going to work out. I just found out we're going Division Three. <laughs> so <laughs> if, if it's, I got offered the job the day that announcement that they went from division one to division three can't was announced. Um, wow. So, wow. Uh, but that's a special place. And coach Rebol is, is one of my all time favorites. And Danny, before we move on, I got to interject here. One of the coolest nights of basketball I ever had was um, one night at the national tournament. I was a, I think this was 94, 95 or 95, 96. I'm a, I'm a freshman or sophomore in college. And um, I, was a, I was a manager for Georgetown College. And I'm sitting down watching games one night. Um, you know, we had played earlier in the day and I'm coming back into the arena. And I'm just like, I'm going to soak up some basketball, have my yellow pad out in front of me, you know. And I've got um, uh, Vince Gill sitting um, to my left and John McClendon who's in the Basketball Hall of Fame, sitting to my right. And we're watching, uh, we watched Belmont play, Lipscomb play, Birmingham Southern play, um, Azusa Pacific, and Oklahoma City play. (laughs) We we watched all those games that night. It was just, it was, I mean, it's unbelievable basketball, unbelievable coaching. Coach Don Meyer, Rick Bird, I mean, come on. You know, Dwayne Rebel and – so that was one of the best nights. No, I bet that, uh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> well, let's. Um, so you know what what happened when you graduated from Birmingham Southern? I wrote in my notes. Did you did you coach before you got into financial? You know, money became yeah, a financial so planner. I, I kind of got so again, kind of rolling it back to my um, high school career. I mean, like again, when when you're never playing, or as my coach used to say, I got in when the mascot got in as a freshman. And then my 10th grade, you know, you, you don't have these aspirations of like, ah, oh, what level am I going to go play at? I thought I wanted to coach. I mean, that was what my thing was. So I started even back as a 10th grader, 11th grader, writing letters to college coaches about wanting to come be a student assistant, come be a manager, come be whatever. And so it was that, that was kind of what I, I really wanted to do was, was, was to to be a coach at the college level. And so when we, when I graduated at Southern, I um, had every intention in, in, to join Coach Rebel's staff. And that's kind of what I did even for a couple of months. My dad got really sick um, at the start of my senior year. And so 
uh, as that kind of that, as the season progressed and he kind of got to it, I was like, well, I'm graduating from like you know Ivy League school in the South, and like I can't go be a GA for two thousand dollars a year. You know, I got to do. And so I came back to Huntsville to you know and you know went through the whole interviews with banks and did different things. And so you talk again about small world. The uh, after I was home that year of, of looking what to do, Bill Peterson, who was the coach who signed me at McNeese State, got the Alabama Huntsville job. And so this was on the heels of where they had a guy named Joe Baker, and they had just gone like one in twenty-five, and the program was really struggling. So Pete was like, "Look, why don't you come in and and you know you'll be in town and go back and get your your, your masters and all." So I did actually for for one year uh, was an assistant at, at UH for Coach Peterson. The first he had a three year run there, um, and then finally got lined up with what I was wanting to do on the professional side and went to work as an uh, investment broker. And so, and did that for almost nine years. Um, and so, and again, a lot of what I learned with that really helped me with kind of the next phase of the next 15 plus 20 year run of, of working so at, at the pro let's level. Let's go into that. Yeah. T- t- what was that next phase? So, I- yeah. So uh, again, a- another funny common theme through my past. So coach Peterson um, after his third year at Huntsville left, um, and he went to work, uh, I think he had a one-year stop, then he went to work with the Dallas Mavericks, and um, again, uh, at, my dad got a liver transplant about kind of four years into me working, I think, at working Keegan, and so knew the whole thing of like what I really wanted to do in my core passion to coaching, it was like, you need to get involved, and I just, I just got married, and um, I was like, I don't know how I'm just going to jump into it at the college level and just move and go. And so through all that, that's when um, they were like, hey, you should help, you know, work with guys at the pro level. And I was like, well, that's great, except, you know, I've never been to Europe and done stuff over there or the guys. And so at this time, the Mavericks, they were the they were the thing. You know, Donnie Nelson Jr. Uh, was the expert. They had just drafted Nowitzki. They had Wong Juju, Bruno Sundoff, Nash. They just, they, and so I flew out to the Mavericks training camp and kind of just met all their people. And that's when I met and now whatever, 20 plus 25 years later, Tony Ronzoni, uh, who is kind of like the preeminent international scout expert in the game and um, just their whole network of, of scouts. And so for, for four plus years, just kind of had fun doing that. And that's, that's when you and I crossed paths, I think, because the, the very first guy that um, I ever helped was a guy named Barry Bowman that played at Georgetown college and, um, and again, and, and another one of those just, you know, small world things of how it goes through. So coach Peterson, who signed me at McNeese, um, and who I was at UH with, and then who got me started in the, on the pro side, signed Steve Payne at Union College before he ever came to McNeese and Payne was the assistant at Georgetown. And so, um, it's just kind of neat how you kind of go through life and, and it's one of the great things about this sport, right? Like, uh, I know you've got a lot of high school coaches that listen, and it, it's one of the most. I tell people this all the time. I, I've I've been in different capacities, uh, um, in in the game and different in in, in but and also some other just kind of professional things. Basketball coaches are one of the most unique uh, beings in that. You and I may not know somebody, but if there's a mutual friend that we both know and trust and like, then you and I are boys like instantly, and it is a and it's been like that forever, and I just I think there's something so uh, beautiful about that, 
that there is kind of this, you know, hey, I, 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 I can speak for him on behalf. And that's a lot, a large part, like I didn't know pain, but Pete and I both played and did. And then, you know, indirectly, um, we met in, in from that. And so, I mean, heck, I, I can still remember Jace. Gosh, I don't know what year it was, but like sleeping on the floor of your room at the Opryland Hotel because you guys invited me up to come like watch your team play. I um, remember that. Yeah, we were playing so, Cumberland University. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. And so yeah. you guys. And so, I mean, it's just, it's just I don't know. It, it's it's such a neat. I don't think you'd sleep on the floor of a hotel yeah. room now, Danny. <laughs> I know, that's all right. I would do it together. That's the great thing about it. The, um, and for those listening, you know, Steve Payne is uh, one of my mentors as well. He he was just recently the head coach at Tennessee Tech, and now he's the uh, assistant coach at University of Missouri at Kansas City. And he's from Russell Springs, Kentucky, and played at Union College in Kentucky. And so um, Payne, Payne's been coaching for oh probably almost thirty years now. Yeah. I'd say so. No, but uh, you know, um, it's just an interesting thing. So like, in in from that, um, after four years of doing that. Um, and again, I was just doing it for fun. It was just, it, it, it was my basketball fix that I was missing. Um, and uh, I started meeting more and more people. And, and, um, and I crossed paths with Michael Curry, who at the time was a starter with the Detroit Pistons, but he was also president of the NBA Player Association. And we just kind of hit it off. And we literally would talk basketball every day. And he would. You know, in the NBA, uh, you always travel after the game to the next city, and and it, we just—I don't sleep much, and in that that year was even less. So, like, he'd land so two, three in the morning, and call, and we would just talk about the game. We'd talk about whatever, and at the end of that season, um, Mike was like, "You should be an agent," because at this point, even when I was helping with people, I had no desire to be an agent. I just was like, "I, I do it for the basketball. I love being around the guys," and um. He just kind of convinced me to do it. And so um, like Halloween of 2003, my wife was seven months pregnant with our oldest and I just quit um, to start Pro One Sports Management um, kind of on the belief of Coach Peterson saying I could do it. And, and, and obviously then even more recent with, with Mike and his position and just jumped off the cliff. And Tell us about um, some of the players you represented over the years. Well, so here's another great um, well, before, before that, but the, the one that, you know, many won't. So Steve Payne, <laughs> we'll, let's go back to our degrees of like friendship and, and knowing people. So Payne uh, was like, Hey, I got a buddy. Cause Payne knew that I, I was doing that. And he's like, I got a buddy that's got a guy that you should sign it. And, and his friend was Garrick Respress, who was an assistant at Georgia Southern. And it just left. And they had a guy named Julius Jenkins from Deerfield beach and he was the all-time leading scorer at Georgia Southern. And so Julius, there was kind of like a 1A, 1B Julius. And then there's a guy named Derek Allen, who played at Southern Union, then went on to Ole Miss, who was from Gadsden. Um, and they were my first two that summer, or that fall of 03, I guess. And re- represented them every day for, you know, 16 plus 17 years of their career. Um, and so it was great. So And, and, and that's the thing, because I, I get the question a lot of like, hey, you know, guys you worked with. And, and had some guys that were some, you know, good names and, and so forth. But the thing that um, I hang my hat on so much with that is that, like, you know, getting it's getting good players is hard. Keeping them is even harder. And the the fact of having two guys that went on to have just, you know, historical careers in Europe and two of the all-time greatest players ever played in the Bundesliga in Germany and 
have them for every day of their of their of their careers is what I, I I'm, I'm kind of most proudest of. Um, but had I mean, William Avery from Duke, Mateen Cleaves from Michigan State, uh, Gerald Fitch from Kentucky. Uh, Rashad Wright from Georgia, Zimmerman from Mississippi State, Sherrod Ford, and um, Jason Richards from Davidson. I, I was I was really Ricky Paulding, who's still playing, who's a machine from played at Missouri, um, who just surpassed his seven thousand career point over in in Germany, and, and just kind of on on the the, the part that, that's cool for me is now how many of these guys like Jonathan Wallace was one of my great clients that played at Georgetown. Well, now he's one of the you know in the front office with the Denver Nuggets and just went through on draft night. And, and it's cool to see guys, Ronnie Burrell from UNC Greensboro works with the Brooklyn Nets now. And how many of those guys on, on the pro level um, are working? And then how many of them, like Gerald Fitch is a GA at Mercer. Um, Jason Capel and, and Jay Rich are up at Pittsburgh. And, and Clay Tucker was at Auburn. And, and, and how many guys that worked with her now transition? Zimmerman is on staff at Mississippi State. Uh, that that gives me a lot of joy too to just see how they've kind of transitioned to their next next phase um but the thing too though like and, and that was again going back i think which influenced my upbringing in the sport and playing i would always every year sign guys that were nai d3 d2 because i just knew how good those guys were you know like the probably the um one of the ones that was 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 most uh Recognize and still hanging on and playing Josh Majette from Alabama Huntsville. Um, and so he, and is so, Josh clown ears? No, Josh was. Yeah, you know, Josh definitely was, and and loved the battle of, gosh, it was five years of getting him from, uh, you know, going to the Netherlands and D League, then Greece, then D League, then D League, and you know, getting in vet camps and summer leagues and and getting all the way to to the Hawks and. He got cut that week with the Hawks, and then that—that's when I turned my licenses off. The end of sixteen, um, and then that next spring is when they finally they brought him back and, and signed him. So it's been—it was awesome, and um, yeah, just just there's been plenty of guys like that. From again, goes back to like I know you would always get a call from an NAI coach or pitching this guy trying to explain how good they are. My like, coach, you don't need to tell me. <laughs> like I know, I already yeah, know how good they can play. It, 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 yeah, and so. so, so. Um, I, I I loved uh, I loved everything about that and, and and got to travel all over the world all the time. Um, but then you know uh, having having a family and having kids and, and th- that were growing up that then kind of had me do a, a hard pivot uh, in life to kind of redirect to channel that basketball passion and love, but also to kind of have a, a, a better work life balance too. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. 
So that's that's where I was going to get to next. So talk to us about the changes in your life and the life of your family that led to the transition from um, prof- you know representing professional basketball players as their agent to now you know starting Pro One Basketball, uh, which is a grassroots program. Um, what's what's your why behind your what and and starting Pro One? Yeah, so the the, the short answer of that was kind of around in that that middle 2015. Um, I, I you know when on Saturday mornings when I could go watch my son play a 10U rec game or whatever, but I really needed to be you know in Paris, France, or I needed to be in Charlotte, North Carolina, recruiting or somewhere. I really started losing that itch to where like I didn't want to grow up just kind of living by text message from my wife of how they did and um just kind of that was really kind of the core of it of you know hey i can always jump back in on the pro side if i want to and do that but like let me kind of be around and figure it out now again much like the the whole thing with becoming an agent i had zero desire to be quote a you guy like that's not my look to to be the typical, you know, uh, you know, that, that stereotype. And, um, but the, the, uh, you know, where we lived here, uh, one of my really good friends, Andy Blackson, who's just a fantastic coach. He's won six state titles at Madison Academy. He was the head girls coach at Austin P. I, I met him all the way back in the day when he was a young assistant for coach Acuff. UAH, we were, were both big Pearl Jam heads, and we would travel around and watch them, and and, and became big buddies um, on on the trail of Eddie and Stone and the guys. And um, but our 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 boys, our my oldest son and his son are, were, are the same age, so they were, had a team in fourth grade, and we're you know fifth grade. We just threw a little Pro One jersey with with no intent of anything developing, and this kind of was overlapping. Uh, trying to figure out what to do, and and and, and I just had some uh, some friends that were high school coaches, and others that were like, "Hey, Danny, like, do a club, start start teams, help you know, just because like you know having the voice of being on the pro side could have enough juice, so to speak, to influence a little bit and just and be different yeah. than the other stuff." And well, so I remember you called me, and yeah. um, when you were spotlighting this idea. So what talk to me about the research and observations that you did as you were contemplating starting pro run pro yeah, one. Yeah. Well, what, look, what did you learn about the environment of travel and AAU basketball? Well, well my whole thing initially was um, that and, and again where we grew up baseball was just like it's you know it was in, in the Huntsville area was really big and this and that and it was just like this whole thing that like you know if you know if you, that's not your only path that have to do if you're around here if you love the sport you can play you can play basketball you can play baseball you can play multiple sports so like that the initial it rolls all the way back to that like it doesn't have to be travel baseball 12 months out of the year and so we started doing that and then and then it really just kind of just seeing all the bs that people were putting out there of what was important and knowing just like you from from being such a successful college coach for all the years you were knowing what really does matter. And 
but these kids didn't know that. And this is when social media was really starting to ramp up, right? And in, in, in Instagram and, and, and people following things. And, and so, you know, like the club uh, at, at, the, at the end of 16 is when we kind of decided, like, let's do this. Like that, that we, de- we kind of did a test pilot that summer just to kind of see what it was like. We did some 15 and 16 new teams. Um, and we really said, like, let, let's do this. So, you know, it, it's been, so we, we shifted kind of the naming to kind of more as like an homage to, you know, Tony Easley was another one of my all-time favorite players that played at Murray State um, on the, some of the great Billy Kennedy teams that was from um, Auburn, Alabama. And it, we wanted it more of a kind of like a, you know, people from around the state that were pro on guys and a good legacy for them. So we shifted the name into that. And we just started, we kind of did it as a joke at first because everybody was elite and elite and elite and elite. And we're like, we're not going to be elite. We'll just be different. And that, you know, just caught on like wildfire by the kids and families. And all of a sudden, you know, like you look up kind of, you know, four years later now, of having the team like that's it's kind of recognized and so we kind of just created this whole and when I say we I've, I've got some fantastic coaches and just families that are kind of in it just as much and um where you know with with travel basketball and, and you guys know this being up in Kentucky and, and, and when your listeners being such basketball rich you're really around them four months it's not a year long thing, but like we, we really try to create it like it's a twelve month feel, right? The the travel volleyball club's doing an amazing job, baseball. And so we really try to commu- you know, create this culture in this community of players, um, to where when you're in your high school season and you see see your buddy, you see your guy, you see your friend and, and, and it, it's just really, really cool. We still align from the great Lenny Acuff, who's just one of my closest friends, um and he used to use the line all the time at Huntsville. He's like, and I'm sure he does at Lipscomb today. He's like, we don't want the best players. We want the best players for us. And that's we. That's really kind of our our thing. And, and our coaches, when they go through and they in 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 the families that come play, you know, they got to fit the culture. They've got to fit, you know, um, because we try to brand the kids in terms for when college coaches come to watch those teams that they know they're going to come from traditionally very good high school programs. The kids are going to be highly skilled. Um, they're going to have a high basketball IQ, and they're going to be really good students. Like that's kind of the the goal. Yeah, you've got a bunch and, of college. You got a so bunch of high school coaches. Come from your capacity. You got a bunch of coaches' sons that play in your program too. Don't we you? Did, yeah, yeah, and also college. I mean, that's the coolest thing for me is that when we get calls from college and high school coaches from Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama about wanting their kids to play with us, and that to me that's like the ultimate compliment. Like, hey, we're doing it right, you know, and so. Um, we totally, we, we, we do that and, uh, it's just a lot of fun. I, I, I mean, I haven't touched a golf club in five and a half years <laughs> and Give me both. That's, that's, this is like, this is my hobby. So, I have a blast with it and it's a lot of fun to, um, to, I mean, that's the thing too, you know, the 21 class is only our fourth graduating class. So we only have like three, so we've got the, the 18, 19 and 20 classes in like that's like before we hopped on to start recording this, like Stetson has their opener night. So we had the kid, John Carlo Valdez and, and Tennessee tech and, and, and just seeing the guys um, that went through it. And, and again, we, we have everything that ranges from the division three through, through division one. And, um, and it's neat to kind of just to see um, it to kind of create the confidence, create the culture for the kids and kind of give them a little, network and so it's a lot of fun and again it, it gives me the chance to 
again, I spent 20 years traveling all over the world. So I, I would be in all these little pockets in Spain or Turkey or Italy or France and Germany. And, you know, when you're over there for, you know, 10, 12 days in a row, you go see a lot of stuff. You're like, hey, let's go watch the 12U game in Germany. Let's go watch the youth practice team in, in Madrid, Spain. And, and let's go when you're in Istanbul, see their academies. And you just see how they did stuff. And so we, we try to really incorporate a lot of that and influence a lot of that. And um, it just have it, 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 you know, it gives a core. I think probably at the, at the end of it, after being an investment guy and an agent and, um, and, and all the things I probably should have just been a teacher, you know, which goes back to the core. And, and so the club, the club aspect gives me the ability to kind of help, you know, coach uh, a lot of kids on a lot of teams on things. And, and um, I'll say this too, though, in, in to, to put a, to put a bow on the club stuff. The one thing that we really, really try to do um, is that we're, we're, we totally fill the role. And again, this goes back to my, my influence of my upbringing, I think the high school coaches and the high school things should be the main thing. I understand it; it's it's not in some regard, but we really try to be an add-on to the high school coach rather than your high school coach sucks. You should listen to us. Like we're let not that guy. There. Let me let me let me interject there. So, yeah. um, I did a podcast recently. It was um, we got these things every once in a while. It's called a Coach May's Minute, um, and one of my uh, Coach May's Minutes topics was why it's important for high school coaches to build bridges with AAU programs. Now that's a two way street, you know? Um, but in today's recruiting environment, you know, that like we have, we, we've got kids that play. I like kids playing on different AAU teams in the summer. Um, but we have two kids that play for a really good, well-known program in Nashville, um, EAB, you, you know who they are. Yeah, great group. And yeah, yeah. Mike Cooey yeah. you know, does a great job with them. And um, Mike and I, text and talk just about every week we have a great relationship why because he he only wants what's best for the kid i only want what's best for the kid so we put the kid in the middle of us and we both you know work as hard as we can uh and communication's key so in, in in your club um how have you tried to be different as far as your relationship building with the high school coaches yeah i i think that's a great question um and I think we, we just try to be very, very intentional, first and foremost, in, in, in communicating with them um, that we're there to kind of help them in their program and help their kids um, and not the other way around and not uh, to not to feel more important, to not be um, something that they I, I don't go and, and I really preach this to all the coaches that we have with the club and, and with this like I never want a, a high school coach to feel threatened by the travel coach and and I want it the other way around I want it where it's just a steady flow of teaming up because like you know like especially in 2020 and, and beyond right now like you got to have everything really tight and together uh, and communicating uh, it for, for guys that want to try to play after high school. And and let me say this though, too, though, because this also answers the question, kind of like the three things with the club teams that I've really tried to instill is like that we try to like our goals and objectives. The first thing is to create a great experience for them um, and, and let them have that summer be the best possible summer they could have. Um, the second thing is to help them get better as a player to be the best high school player they can be. Um, and then the third thing is if they get to be good enough and they have the interest, then to help them play after uh, 
after high school. I think so many travel clubs pitch number three, um, whereas we just focus on the first two. And I think if the goal of um, creating a great experience, because look, there's a lot of guys that love the sport, but they're going to go be a Theta Chi at Auburn or Bama, and they're not going to, but they want, that doesn't mean they don't love the sport. That doesn't mean they want to get better as a high school player and they want to have a great experience. And so we can be that too. We're not like so, you know, turn our nose up to, to like, and so I think from that standpoint, in both of those boxes checked, help the high school coach and help the high school program. And so we really try to just share that, communicate that, and then hopefully, you know, if we have someone that's in the program that plays March, April, May, June in Alabama is a competitive month. So they play with their, their high school program in June, and then we get them back in July. That when we turn them back over in June and then to them in July, that they're, they're a better player because then that's going to help them have a better season. And so we, that, that's really kind of the goal for us, not to have guys change schools, not to have where coaches are going to get nervous if they go play in you obviously can't control that all the way, but that's still kind of a goal of um, just, man, love them up, help help them get better individual as a player, um, let them have a great experience. And if they do those two things, they're going to have a better high school season and the high school coach is going to be happier. Um, and then if they're good enough to play after that, 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 that part's a little bit easier then. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's transition to our, our final segment here and let's, Let's talk about One Connect. Um, before we start, I, I think I need to disclose to our audience that um, I don't know what's what is our formal business relationship, Danny. Am you I, are am a, I your partner. You are a preacher of One Connect. Um, no, I mean, listen, <laughs> no, it, it is like One Connect is such a unintended consequence of. Um, kind of my path in, in, in being on this, but it's also kind of a great uh, next play for me in terms of all the stuff that I've done from a player as a coach, uh, working in the investment world and doing portfolio management to then, you know, running an agency for all those years and then kind of having this fun little hobby instead of golfing, doing travel basketball. Um one connect was uh, two years ago. Some families from within um, the club asking if I could f- help create some solution to help them navigate the uh, recruiting process, the education process, all the things that kind of went into it. And again, I think it's one of those things that for you, because you've been on the other side of the equation for so long, recruiting families, um, and now being a great high school coach, but knowing, which was one of the things that helped make you be such a great coach with that and, 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 and connecting with, with those people of what it is that they're, you know, people are looking for and where it might come easy for, for you and for me, it's not for everybody else because everybody else is being a great engineer, teacher, doctor, lawyer. They're, they're in their life doing their things. And, um, it, you know, it, it's really one of those things that when it was asked, then it was asked again. And then I took some time to really just kind of research and, and kind of come up with this is how I would do it if I wanted to help. And look, there's a lot of great tools that are on the market now. This is not you know, when we kind of created One Connect, it was not a knock at places of websites of mixtapes and videos and all those things. But 
um, it was more of like, again, how can you be different? And, you know, in, in terms of having this unique life journey for me of being in this sport for, for all these years and, and again, feeling in, in staying in the theme of wanting to kind of help and wanting to make a difference and wanting, but also, Hey, do something that's really, really good. That, and Hey, I could, you know, create this neat business that can help people from all over. And again, it was, when we did it a year ago, I, I joked with some friends. It's like, you know, you, I didn't have the foresight to know that like, a global pandemic was coming that was going to grip the world of nobody playing travel basketball right. and high school games being delayed yeah. and what to do. And so it's it's really kind of a option for um, people that want help of of going through the process. And and it and it really um, the, you know the people that we work with it ranges from everybody that it's trying to be a junior college player to high division one. It's not. It's not the notion. It's not a solution for somebody that's like, "Hey, not really good enough, but I want to play." Um, it's it's more for for the you know the the kid that really wants to try to play, um, for the for the for the families that want to try to help their kids explore every kind of option, and then obviously navigate the waters now. Um, and it, it's something that I just absolutely love doing. Um, and it's so you if know, you were it, to it just, if you were to elevator pitch it, you know. I mean, yeah. our motto uh, as a company is a new approach to college recruiting. Um, I like I like telling people that it is a recruiting consultancy boutique, and I know that's way yeah. too fancy. Yeah. <laughs> but that's good. That's you know, really... we, we we consult them. You know, we help them, and but it's a boutique in the fact that you know we don't have a web- website. You know, it's yeah. uh, one connect is it's all based on you know interpersonal relationships and. Um, you know, I mean, we, we sort of pick our clients, if you will. I don't mean that in a, the arrogant sense, but rather um, we know what we know. We know what we don't know. So we're going to stay in our lane because that's where we excel, you know? Yeah. No, and, I, no, I think that's it. It's, it's spot on. And um, it, it's one of those, again, and in, in, in you worked in the financial business. And yeah. so, you know, in terms of like when you have your, your book of, of families that you work with, and um, it, it's it's really, and I think that's one of the things why you do such a good job at it. It's one of the things that I enjoy so well. And again, it, it parallels the journeys of being in it. Like the very first thing uh, that you do with, in, in a lot of different capacities, especially in investments, is sit down, what's your goals and objectives? All right, what's like when someone has like, hey, I have... X amount of dollars that I want to invest, like, well, what's it for? Is it to buy a boat next year or is it for my kids' uh, college? Is it for a retirement? So it's the same thing. Like, there, there may be some people that are like, hey, I want to go to this great Division three high academic school. I know there's not going to be athletic money, but, uh, you know, I'm a, my kid's a great student and this is what he wants to do and he wants to play. That's one thing. It may be others that are like, I want to go to school in this part of the country and so that obviously narrows the scope of schools and you start to network and work there. And others may be, you know, I want to play Division One basketball. I'm talented enough, but I want to, I kind of want to do this. So the, the, the great thing is it's it, each person's journey is different. Um, and then it's also, listen, there's also, there's also part of it for the, for the kid that's like, I think I'm close enough to good uh, to play. I don't really know, but I want to. I just want to try. I want. I want to leave everything on, and so it's great, especially for someone that we see uh, 
as a player from whether we know directly or we do video study or, or, or talk to, they're like, hey, let's go fight for them. Let's go fight for that. And again, that, that, that kind of gets my creative juices from my previous lifetime working as an agent in terms of, you know, when I wanted to fight for Josh Majette and nobody, everybody laughed at him because they said he was too small or he played Division Two or whatever. And it, it's just kind of cool to to have that element too for it. And, and especially, and then like the part that I never would have imagined and anticipated is in the middle of what we're in right now. Uh, and so that makes it even <laughs> more challenging. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So the, the NCAA, I mean, this is great for high school coaches. I mean, coaches, you've got to, you've got to know this stuff. You, I mean, I think it's part of the high school coaches uh, should be in their repertoire to, to be, have knowledge about, um, the recruiting landscape, because whether they have a college level player or not, it's 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 still important. So recently, Danny, the NCAA, uh, let's talk about three things. The first thing is this year, the 2021 season is not going to count against any um, winter athlete, student athletes clock, um, meaning this year of eligibility is not going to um, count against them. They're going to have, you know, if they were a sophomore this year, they're still going to have uh, three years starting next year. Um, and so you're going to have kids not graduating because they're staying in school, taking advantage of this. They're going to be grad students, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it doesn't – the NCAA is a phrase called the clock, you know, where you have five years to play four. This year is not going to count against their clock. That's why they have the option to opt out due to COVID. Um, did I explain that appropriately? Yes, no, definitely. So, so that is creating um, an issue that leads into point two. They also, they being the NCAA, just um, effective this August 1st, as long as the student athlete notifies their staff by May 1st, um, they will be able to transfer, enter the transfer portal, and be immediately eligible at the school that receives them. This um, immediate eligibility exemption is a one-time thing during their uh, their college career. So now it's going to be uh, more prevalent than it already is. And there's a, now last year there were over a thousand uh, student athletes in the transfer portal. There's going to be more now because they're immediately eligible. They don't have to go through waiver processes and appeal processes. They don't have to sit out a year, this and that. And that's you know. Um, that, that's new too. So those two things, Danny, are creating more supply in the high school recruiting world than demand because these college coaches, they're not losing kids because this year doesn't count against them. And, you know, a lot of them, and rightfully so, they lose a 16-point a game, you know, all-conference Sunbelt or OVC or, or Big South player to a high major. They're going to replace that kid nine times out of ten with another transfer that can come in and give them that, the, that stat line right away. No doubt. And so and one one it, connect is 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 helping parents and families and players really navigate this unique, never seen before recruiting atmosphere. Totally, it, it it is it's total chaos in some regards. I will say one thing um, that I think is good to to talk about in terms that high school coaches can do this with. Um, with their players and their families and, and, and so forth. The, 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 the rule about the NCA granting the extra year um, and, and, and expanding roster size for a year and, and, and all that is 
in like kind of in theory sounds very very scary and it makes it seem like there's no spots available and so forth but I, two things with that there, there's going to be which ties in the transfer rule one every roster is going to have people leave that the coaches don't think that they're going to have spots open that's kind of part one but part two and i and i've talked you know because i talk daily with with staffs from power five all the way down below and and I know this for a fact from a number of schools right below the Power Five level, that even though uh, the NCA is it, it granting these waivers an extra year, essentially what the administration's going to tell a lot of these coaches is, "Are look, you got to figure out your roster as is. We're not giving you more. So if you want to bring in new people, you got to get rid of the ones you have." So there's going to be. You know, it's not going to, like, I don't, you know, teams in the Sun Belt and OVC for the most part, because they just don't have the money to go sign another X amount of athletes in all these sports, right? Because they're going through the same stuff where they're losing money, not getting guarantee games and football not playing as much and all. There's a lot that's going into it. So I, I, I say all that just from the from the standpoint. Now, it wasn't a, for the most part, an early signing experience for the most, like we're traditionally used to. But I still think that when it comes May, um, and Lord have mercy, let's have the vaccine ready by then. But when we get to May, <laughs> there's going to be high school kids that sign. Like it's yeah, not absolutely, the, oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do type thing? Now, it, it is like you hit the nail on the head of the, there is way more um, sellers than there are buyers right now. <laughs> and yeah. so, but um, being able to have, and, and again, it's one of the things in, in doing and working. It's one of the things too that we've worked with where, There'll be families of, of people with that are transferring that that want help. It's the same way, like you said. If there's like a thousand last year, I mean, it could be double this year. Like it's going to be total wild west. Um, and, and so there's a lot of uh, volatility in that marketplace right now. And um, again, it's just one of those things. I, and I think it ties in. And I'm sh- I don't, don't want to speak for you, but if I had to make a guess, that gives you total kind of like. Uh, comfort and 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 being calm in the middle of it because you worked it on the 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 financial side and know the the daily volatility of markets and things and um so no it it, it like I said it's something that's it, it it's it's fresh every day it's new every day um and being able to try to feel like hey you're helping kind of make some small part of influence in someone's path and journey in the sport and school. Um, but being kind of connected in uh, with coaches and, and being able to kind of real time and, and help them and, and, and again, ch- kind of change the narrative where it's not so much, you know, it's put together a five minute highlight clip with this great track behind it to where it sounds really cool and some highlight and like Batman intro with graphics like that's not what's going to get it done. Like um, it needs a little bit more this year. And uh and, and I would argue that it needs a little bit more every year, but um, this year specifically. So it's just, it's neat. Just like I said, I, I, I view everything that I've been able to do and have been so fortunate um, through the sport. It goes all the way back to just, you know, being a backup point guard as a 10th grade year on my JV team. Like, you know, I mean, just kind of the starting from that kind of, uh, uh, humility I guess from it of just working and, and grinding through it and knowing if you put your work in stuff can happen and then and playing and then and just kind of 
you know, getting into the the pro side and traveling around the world and learning stuff. And, 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 and I think all things have kind of led to this neat phase that what we're doing. And I, and I feel, um, I feel all of us that are working with this project are, are really helping make a difference and, and really doing good things for people. So, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it's, um, I've enjoyed it so far and, uh, I, it's, I've never had a conversation, Danny, with a one connect prospect um, that didn't see value in the conversation that they had just had or were having with me. Um, Parents care, guardians care about their, their sons and helping them achieve what their goals are from a student athlete standpoint, from a basketball standpoint. And um, you know, right now that what we're doing is more important than it's ever been Mm -hmm. because like the, 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 the third sort of caveat besides the transfers and the, you know, this year not really counting against uh, anybody's eligibility is, you know, coaches can't get out until April 15th now to live evaluate kids. So that it's might all be the gotta craziest be done remotely. Of them, you know, like that's like, it is, you know, and it's no, interesting you, you say that though, because it's, it's been, um, I can rem- remember back of, of how I got started on the agent side is I was getting, Barry Bowman a job for the London Towers in England. They weren't flying to Georgetown, Kentucky to watch a game. They were watching two videotapes and having to make a decision off of calls. And, and it was the same way. Like I, I would get deals for guys. I mean, I, I did several jobs that were probably close to a million dollars a year for guys that were off a of tape. And so I had a lot of fun needling uh, my friends and college coaches. Like, oh, we can't, we can't sign anybody off the live stream. Like, well, you can. You just aren't like like you because you're you know we're all creatures of habit and they're all they all like you know they're used to what they're used to but like you totally can you can trust your eyes you can kind of try and so it's an interesting just kind of watch to see as they go through and and tape and it i i I will tell you this as a high school coach um i think it's a great teaching point to your players of what we know at the pro level like Every time you step on the court, you could be getting evaluated. And it's not about now going to a live period coach can watch. Like, you can't control what tape they put in the deck, right? I know, I guess there's no tapes in deck. But, like, you can't control what link they watch. And if it's a game, you know, you know, I, I think as a high school coach, you teach your player, like, you need to play every game, especially yeah, if you're a player that aspires to play. You, you, you got to – that, yeah, that might the be the one they're watching. Like, you got to <laughs> yeah. lock in. Coaches, I hope you enjoyed today's episode with my good friend Danny Servick. My takeaway from today's episode was how high school coaches and AAU program leaders, coaches, need to continue work on building bridges to each other so that only the player wins. And that's something that I've been preaching here recently as I became a high school coach two and a half years ago. Uh, and... I'm seeing that trend improve. Uh, so I'm just glad Danny's working on that through his grassroots organization as well. And um, it, it was good to hear his heart sort of speak uh, as to why he does what he does with Pro One. Hopefully you enjoyed the little take we had on One Connect. I think it's needed right now, and uh, we're excited about where that where that company's headed. Again, the goal of the CoachMaze.com podcast is to give you that one takeaway that will help make your program better tomorrow than it was today. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at CoachMaze.com pod. 
and also visit our website at coachmaze.com. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thanks for listening to the CoachMaze.com podcast. 